Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Craze Cast, the podcast run by the fans for the fans that brings you closer to the action. My name is Roxy and today I'm joined by my fellow host, Jay and Amber. Hello. Hi. To keep up with all our content, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Craze Magazine at YouTube and YouTube, the Craze, excuse me, for exclusive interviews as they came up. Before we begin, we'd like to give a big shout out to our patrons that helped make this episode possible. Big thanks to Danielle, Stuart, me, and Brianne for their support. If you're interested in joining our Patreon, go to patreon.com backslash Craze Magazine to check out all the great perks we have for our members. So we are well into January already, um, although it seems like not much time has passed since 2021 began. Uh, how's everybody doing this week? Eh. My allergies are through the roof. <sighs> so sorry if I sound nasally again. Winter allergies are the worst for some reason. I don't understand. Yeah, it sucks right now because it's technically summer weather right now here where I'm at. It's like in the high 80s and I hate it right now. Um, so it's like- trade it, me. <sighs> Just like, trade me it's like 32 here like, can it just be like solid winter please like i don't like this ne- i don't need summer in the middle of january right now and it's throwing off all of my allergies stop it please weather get yourself in check that's how california be that's why i don't like being there dang roxy what california do to you <laughs> i don't okay look i've been to la i just don't like california it's just a personal thing i'm an east coaster you know that's just how it happens it must be really common because all my friends from the East Coast that I have are always like, eh, Midwest, eh, West Coast. I'm never leaving the East Coast ever. My only gripe with the East Coast is that we have the ugliest ocean. I need some context. The Atlantic Ocean is disgusting. Have you ever seen it? Compared to like the Pacific and like the Gulf of Mexico, it's just gross water. It doesn't look nice. Yeah, we have nicer water on this end. <laughs> Fun fact, I'd never seen true ocean until I moved to Korea. That's because you're from the Midwest. There's nothing there except plains and corn. Oh, the corn. But I mean, corn's still good for you. (laughs) Yeah, but when you drive for miles and miles and all you see is corn, it kind of starts to look like a horror movie. It really does. But hey, corn is what feeds the rest of the world and makes gas. So I guess. So this week, uh, we are going to discuss hit K-pop songs that turn uh, 10 years old this year. Our lovely writer Kelly wrote an article on Throwback Thursday about this a few weeks ago. But for those of you that want to feel old, um, every song that came out in 2011 is now 10 years old. And it gives me an age crisis because 10 years ago, I graduated high school. I don't want to think about that because like 2011, 2012 is like the era of where all of my favorite groups debuted. Like, I'm just like, that's that's around the time EXO and BAP became a thing. And I'm just like, bruh, it's really been that long. Turning in my veteran card now because I witnessed all of all of these songs I've witnessed as a full-fledged fan as K-pop. <laughs> they all released and I'm like, oh God, I've been in this game for so long. Uh, this was before my time, but like, I feel like this is sort of when K-pop really started to pop off internationally. It was starting. People usually credit Size Gangnam Style for like really hitting it big. That was a year 
that's a year later than 2011. But like, I have this really random memory of like my senior year in high school, sitting in a classroom, talking to my friend. And she was like obsessed with Skrillex because remember when people, people were obsessed with Skrillex, um, that was a wild time. But I remember her like making a comment. She was like, Hey, I listened to this group. They're called Big Bang and they're from Korea. I think you would like them because like at the time, all of my favorite artists were European. So she was like international. It's the same thing. I don't know. We're teenagers. People don't, your brain doesn't work when you're like 17. So she was like, you should listen to this group Big Bang. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Cause I was still trying to be an edgelord metalhead. So I didn't, but it, like thinking back on that now is kind of a very strange experience for me. <laughs> I was just looking at the groups that debuted in 2011 and I'm just like, bro, Block B debuted in 2011. Like, we didn't have the iconic, like, Nalina or Jackpot or Toy before then. And I'm just like, bro. And apparently that same year, Beast, now known as Highlights Fiction and Fact album came out. And that was one of my favorite albums by them. That was the first, that album that had fiction and fact was the very first K-pop album I ever had, like that I was able to get. It was actually a gift for myself. So I'm just like, oh my God, it's been that long. Oh God. (laughs) I think people forget how big Beast was at that point. The fact that Roman came out in 2011 by Teen Top, it just made me like stop for a minute. That was like, isn't that the album that No Perfume On You came out? I'm pretty sure that album has that song. One second, because you want to talk about scandalous songs in K-pop? I'm just like looking over like the list of songs that came out and I'm like, I remember all of these. These were such a, this was such a good era of just bops turning out left and right. I'm like, we had Roly Poly from Tiara, still a classic till this day. 21 came out with like music and I'm like, Bubble Pop? I'm like, come on. Let's uh let's dig deeper into some of these these releases because I was um going back and watching some of these music videos and I feel like 2011 had a very distinct style in the type of music that was popular and that like strong EDM was like a huge factor for all of these songs. I don't think like one of the songs I listened to was like straight up hip hop or anything like that. No, absolutely. It was very, K-pop was trying to find their sound and definitely that EDM-esque was the thing that they discovered at this time. The song uh, no Perfect On You by Teen Top. That was like one of the songs that introduced the iconic like build and drop, build and drop into the industry. Teen Top is a fun one to talk about because like they were still around when I got into K-pop, but they weren't like as big of an influence. And they were one of the bigger groups at this time. And I think that like that's another one that people forget about. For those not familiar with Teen Top, they are the senior group to Uptension. So... That way you have an idea of who's who. When I was uh, looking at the songs, one that stood out to me was TVXQ's Keep Your Head Down. Um, And 2011 was like, I think the first year that they had solidified the split in TVXQ because like in, in 2010, the three members of JYJ, or maybe it was... 2009. It was one of those years they brought up the the iconic lawsuit that everybody talks about um, in terms of like K-pop contracts. And they had like a 13 year contract, which like I can't even comprehend because like after 13 years, I can't imagine being at the same job personally. But like 
they had some weird situation where they were still promoting in Japan, but then the Japanese label dropped them. And like, I don't know, by 2011, TVXQ was just the duo that, you know, is still active today. And uh, Keep Your Head Down was kind of an intense song. Personally, one of my favorite TVXQ songs, I remember scout, like the time I um went to Korea, I remember scouring for that album because I couldn't find that album here in the States. And I'm like, resonates like one of those like momentous albums that helped define you, even though the yes, it was like a darker album. It's like one of those songs that like, once you listen to it, it sticks with you, you know? So it's just like, oh, like every time that song comes out or they perform it, I'm like, yes, keep your head down right. It took me a while to get into TVXQ, so I wasn't really a fan of them at this time. Of course, I enjoyed the iconic, like, Neurotic when they debuted, but I didn't really get into TVXQ until a little later on, so I can't relate to the excitement right now. I'm sorry. It don't occur. Um, but I mean, it was still like, I think that was also like a moment in K-pop where it was just like, like Roxy said, um, it was after the lawsuit and members leaving so everybody was kind of anticipating what are they going to put out because they lost three of their vocals and now it's just two members how are they going to make this work and so when it did come out it's just like okay they can make it work and look at look at what's happening now they're still active Yunho's making um his solo comeback in a couple of days i think uh, and it's being everywhere and er- like it's everywhere for them tvxq is an interesting one because like th- many would consider them a staple of k-pop despite all of that lawsuit kind of thing which tends to murder a lot of groups like anytime there's a dispute with the company like the group suffers pretty badly but it is very interesting that they managed to shape that in a way that they're still relevant i still think that there are at least newer generation people that are not as like i don't want to say as understanding but they don't seem to get how big of an impact tvxq is and even if like they don't pull the same number of hits that they used to. They're still a very, very big factor in what made K-pop what it is. They still pull a lot of heads. They just may not pull it at the rate the international fans think is important. They still hold the record for the most attendees of concerts in Japan. They still hold that record. Yeah, so I guess what I mean is not that they're getting less, but like maybe less compared on an international scale because you know how when people say international, the international fans tend to only pay attention to what they care about not necessarily you know what is super super popular in korea if that makes sense oh no i definitely get that but i also want to say that uh k-pop's been international it just hasn't been western international for the longest time like america didn't get with the program until after gundam style but like especially southeast asia they've been on the k-pop shit for a while no like k-pop was huge in asia like way before it came to the united states and that you know (laughs) Some of that like centrism that Americans have makes people think like, oh, this didn't matter because I didn't know about it. But like, that's not that's not fair because the United States is not the entire world. So I was looking at the list of songs that turn 10 this year again. And um, when I feel real old, guys, Mr. Simple turns 10 this year. I know. I'm like, I can't believe that album is turning 10. I'm like, whoa, I remember that. And which 
comeback number are they at right now? For which album number are they coming out with? Did it come out yet? No, they have an album coming out in February, and I legitimately forget how old Super Junior is all the time. I think it's like the fifteenth comeback or the sixteenth comeback. Regardless, I remember when you came out for them, and I'm just like, oh god, like I'm old in terms of K-pop. What's the uh, consensus on Mr. Simple, though? Because I have some feelings about this song. I love the song. It's iconic and a classic. Same. Um, I just don't remember the music. Oh, I do. Looking at the thumbnail, never mind. I do remember the music video. Yeah, I liked Mr. Simple. It wasn't my favorite release, but it was catchy enough to be like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, because... When I think of Super Junior, I think of Sorry Sorry, but like I have a weird thing about Mr. Simple. It's, I, I guess, the way the music is, you know, how it, the song is just loud. <laughs> like it's like really fucking loud. That's the theme of 2011 is loud. I, I just like it hurts my head. I don't like it. <laughs> and when um, Super Junior came to KCON NY or New York a few years ago, they performed Mr. Simple. Now, obviously, it didn't, not all the members were there, but I was like, this is weird. <laughs> like, I'm surprised they picked this song over like another one that was I always thought that like some of their other songs would have been more popular since we're still talking about super junior this is the year the super junior DNE debuted and uh opa opa is still my shit I forgot about super junior DNE as the subunit for them but uh Mr. They're Sim- still active they are I like, know I forgot, the- <laughs> I forgot that they debuted around this time um I was gonna say Mr. Simple and Bonamana are the two songs that I tend to confuse because they sound very similar sometimes. Oh my god. I remember when there was like a um like a guessing game my friends and I were playing and I kept getting them mixed up. And it was just like it was the one reason why I lost that game is because I cannot tell those damn songs apart sometimes. See, I'm not a big fan of that. I've never been a big fan of Super Junior in general, but like they do have some bops. And my most recent favorite is Lo Siento. Nothing will top that. But like, I don't know. I've ne- I've never gotten like the hype with them personally. Um, Be My Baby also turned 10 this year for Wonder Girls. Such a good song. Oh my God, man. That's crazy. I'm just, I'm having a midlife crisis right now over this. Because I also, I was looking at this chart. Um, 21's second mini album, I believe, came out at this time. The Tonight album by Big Bang came out in 2011. Bubble Pop came out this year, as well as Troublemaker. Yeah, so Hyuna, that we all know and love today, uh, began her solo career 10 years ago. And I think everybody's familiar with Bubble Pop. And Troublemaker also was one of the first like co-ed experiments. And uh, they really uh, pushed that one to the edge when they performed at Mama in 2011. (laughs) Have you guys ever seen the uncensored version of Now? Yes. I haven't, no. Oh my god. It's spicy. It is real spicy. spicy. (laughs) I did want to correct you just a little bit, Roxy. This was like when Hyuna made her comeback with um, Bubble Pop because she debuted with Change in 2010. Oh, then excuse me. I got my information wrong. Um, then Bubble Pop was the first one that got like really, really heavy exposure. Yes. It was the one thing that was just like when she did debut with Change, everybody was playing it. And um, if you want to YouTube or Google search Minho from Shiny Dancing to Change, one of the most hilarious videos out there. Love him. It got some play. And then when Bubble Pop came out, everybody was like, Hyuna, 
everybody's staring at Hyuna because legs for days. After this too, Hyuna was in like, was in the Gangnam Style video and had her own like version of it too. So like, this is really when Hyuna started popping off. And I can't believe that Cube Literally let her go. Um, I just saw that Hands Up is 10 years old this year by 2PM and Hot Summer by FX. Oh my God. And the fact that we're getting a 2PM comeback this year. What? <laughs> I demand a 2021 My House video because yes. I mean, they were yes. grown when they left, but uh, they've all done military service now. So, mm. yes, girl, please. <laughs> can I get another? Uh, can I get Electricity Part Two, please? Thanks. Uh, my favorite thing about 2 p.m. is like because. My house came out. I don't remember if I was into K-pop when it came out, but like the first time I saw it, I was like, holy shit. And then um, what's that song that is incredibly sexual that they have? Um, oh, ADTOY. Yes. Yes. Uh, if you want grown music, you should really go to 2PM. And I kind of hope that they continue that trend. It just, it makes me like, I was just thinking about that because uh, 2PM was one of my first K-pop groups like one of the first and I remember being very confused watching the ADTOY video as like I've mentioned when we talked about the uh like queer representation in k-pop I enjoy both men and women and that music video just made me very very confused I can understand that because there is a lot going on in that music video <laughs> I think too that like now that GOT7 has left JYP maybe they'll pay more attention to 2PM I don't know just saying I hope so. Um, hey, hey, Jay, IU released one of her. I big knew it. You were gonna year. bring it up. I had a feeling. I was like, she's gonna bring up IU. Yes. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh. Sorry. Yeah. IU had some. She had a banger of a year in 2011 with all of the songs that um she's released. Good Day came out. The story only I didn't know. What else? <laughs> she had a good year that year. And I'm like, yay, it's the year that I actually fully really got into her, actually. I'm going to throw one in here to make you guys react. Uh, y'all remember the comebacks that M Black had in 2011? Mona Lisa was one of them, right? Yeah. Oh, God. But you know what? I don't, re- I have, I guess I have to re listen to it because I don't remember what that album sounded like. Oh my god, we're, uh, mm, the fact that The Boys turns 10 this year? Girls' Generation, Girls generation the Boys. The boys. <laughs> that, yes. okay, I wasn't around for that, but that song is, like, one of my favorite ones ever. I still get goosebumps when I listen to it. I'm looking at the guy on chart hits from 2011, and I'm just like, the fact that both Lonely and I Am The Best came out in 2011, that is just, un- and Ugly, three iconic 21 songs came out in 2011. 2011 had no chance. Uh, going back to the boys just real quick uh from girls generation is the also it's around that era that we actually got to see girls generation on american tv as well i don't know about y'all but i feel really old looking at these songs that came out because i'm just like no way that came out like five years ago it's not the age of a fourth grader See, that's what i have the hardest time with because like an example of this for me is like the fact that 17 is coming up on their six-year anniversary, I'm like, there's no way that's possible. Like, I can't imagine how y'all feel. I'm just like, brah, I can't believe that it's been that long. Oh, Jay, do you remember, um, who was it? What? The song that ji and Youngook did? That apparently came out in 2011, too. I know, I was looking at the list and I'm like, it was that long ago? Going crazy? Jesus. 
all of I my uh, so old. <laughs> all of my 80s fans will remember uh mama last year when uh they did like the medley of songs and jong ho was belting out miss a's uh goodbye baby by himself y'all remember that the iconic yes so that song came out mm. 10 years ago <laughs> Man. Oh my god, I just, the fact that all of these songs are the age of a four-year-old, or a fourth grader, not a four-year-old, I, mm, We got brain. so cool from Sistar that year, too, and I'm like, whoa, Sistar, jeez. Oh, Sistar, gone too soon. So iconic. Please have a reunion. You know what I just realized? It's getting to that point where we're starting to see, like, album or song titles be re- rehashed uh you know that momoland's brother group that just debuted their debut song apparently lee song came out with it the same song title in 2011 i mean i'm not surprised it's been 10 years but like every time i say that like a little part of my brain spasms (laughs) like like we're that we're in that era already jesus yeah we're back there oh my god and in heaven so we talked about tvxq but we didn't really talk about jyj when they split off in heaven came out that in two 2011 and for those of you who do enjoy the grown folk music jyj's in heaven album is that album the song backseat is on that album and that is only for the grown folk and the grown folk only it's interesting that like jyj split off and did their own thing and of course like sm banned them from everything uh even to this day like i know like kim jejung like is trying to act in dramas but he can't be on any of the major tv networks It's kind of ridiculous. But like the fact that JYJ did so well despite all of that is really saying a lot. They need to let Jaejung out of the box because he is like the, well, I don't know. I can kind of see why there's issues with JYJ right now as besides the SM crap because Park Yoo-chan was in JYJ and he went with the, that one member of Big Bang we don't talk about anymore. Yeah. And he's had, he's had, he's been a bad bad man <laughs> he's done some bad things so but like the other two are fine like Jung and uh junsu have had pretty good careers and like really just let them go now sm let them do their thing i just reminiscing about all these songs and i'm just like k-pop is so different now but we are starting to see them like turn and go back to these old sounds with a lot of the debuts um like we've heard it with uh one us who debuted what a couple years ago two years ago i think 2018 i believe yeah god it's already been that long since one us debuted their song valkyrie came out at a time where i was about ready to stop listening to k-pop and then it kind of just like shook me awake and be like hey k-pop was good at this time you'll still like it and like we're starting to see that reshape up again guys did you know zion t debuted in 2011 yes i did (laughs) i wrote about him (laughs) oh gosh i'm sure looking at this list kahi debuted in 2011 keith ape and his friend who always sounds like his high occasion debuted this year some of the groups that we we still have like a pink debuted in 2011 um B1A4, they've lost a little bit, but they're still here. Um, and Block B, I want to talk about Block B's debut. <laughs> when it God, was Focus? Oh, gosh. So oh, and when they got controversy for their debut, actually, because Focus sounds like something else when Zico says it. Yeah, Zico gets them in trouble way too often. <laughs> yeah, and he started immediately because, like, their their debut um music video like everybody remembers it because his hair was so bad it wasn't offensive it was just bad but their first comeback it was offensive <laughs> you know how zico be yeah yeah 
But unlike they also little do a lot of people know, Block B also suffered with contract disputes with their company. Like they haven't always been at KQ slash Seven Seasons. Yeah, their history is actually it's kind of freaky. I don't remember the name of the agency they were at, but like it was they had I the dispute. It was Star Empire for them. Was it Star Empire? I think so. That is still an agency that is active, if I remember correctly. Star Empire, or it started with Star originally. There's an S in their old company's name. But like the CEO or something after they left uh, kind of gave up on life. It was really weird. And I do it think people forget. It was Stardom Entertainment. Yeah, so I don't right. know. There's like a star in there somewhere. It's just crazy. Like um, all of these groups, like like bringing up our, our mutual favorites, ATs, who are their junior group. Like, people use Block B, who debuted in 2011, and be like, ATs has Block B privilege. Where was Where is Block B's privilege for Block B? Literally, though. what What is Block B privilege? Do these people not know what Block B went through? It's like, I, I don't understand. But, uh, man, Block B just, they were the beginning of the, the uh, questionable K-pop groups that debuted. It's like, you know how we all have problematic faves? It's like, uh, I can't believe you're doing that again, but I love yeah. you too much. But why? Zico has always been that for me. <laughs> I feel like he's gotten better in recent years, but for a long time, man, he was not good. He did he did so many things the same, no matter how much people got mad about it. I was looking at the list and um, we had Gina, deb- uh, not debut, um, we had Gina release a few hits too. Um, Black and White came out and I'm like, I miss Gina. I actually really liked her as a solo artist. It's yeah, just but a shame what happened to her. I was gonna say, you remember what happened to her? Yeah, it's yeah. just yeah, her end of her career in that sense. It it was really sad, but she had some really good songs. Like Cube did her at least a, enough where she had some hits. And y'all were wondering why I was talking about how Cube's gonna have a fall from grace in two thousand twenty one, and y'all were wondering why I had that thought. They've never been good from the beginning. Here's one I think Jay will remember that not many others will. Y'all remember Boyfriend? Yes, because I remember seeing this debut. <laughs> yeah. So Boyfriend was the male group that came out of um, Starship before Monster X. And as soon as Monster X started popping off, they got put in the Starship basement and were never seen again until their, <laughs> their disbandment was is so sad announced. because they came out with such good songs. I mean, okay, Boyfriend self-titled track, Boyfriend, wasn't up my alley. It was very cute, not gonna lie. But like the songs that they released afterwards, I was just like, dude, they're they're so good. And I was just like, oh, I wish that they had more. But no, K-pop didn't give them the time of day towards the end of their careers. They had like maybe one release in 2016 before their disbandment was announced. It was a very sad thing. We hate to see it. We hate to see groups debut and then just like fall into oblivion because their juniors get super popular. I'm just looking at the release list for 2011 in general and comparing it to the release list to last year. And a lot has definitely changed. The fact that we see quite a few albums like almost double the releases a quarter now compared to what it was 
I think that just proves how much money is in this business now. If in 10 years they can double the amount of releases, that means they're making bank off of it. Oh my god. So do you guys remember Double F's 501? Yes. Hyun Jung released his debut album this year. Or Hyun, yeah, Kim Hyun Jung. The one with Do You Like That? Lucky Guy, I'm Your Man, and You. I'm Your Man. You, you know what? Like, his debut wasn't as memorable to me for some reason. Like, I don't really, I know he came out with stuff, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't my thing back then. I get it. I really, like, this album wasn't my favorite. The last one he released before the controversy happened was probably his best album. So what exactly happened with Double S 501? Because I don't hear it talked about very much. It's it's a lot. Like, there's there's a lot of layers to it. Is there is there a summary? The question is, where do we start? I'm like trying to remember because they're like one of the older groups that came out as well. They've had a few. I mean, if you want to talk about one of their most iconic songs that they've ever done, go to the Boys Over Flowers OST. Uh, no, but- they weren't Almost Paradise. They were Almost Paradise was a different group. Who did? They have uh, off of that one, and that was one of their most mo- popular releases off of that. Was it? I think it might have been their subunit, though. I don't remember. No, it was them. I'm just trying to remember because I don't. It wasn't almost paradise. Because who did? That was who? I can't. First of all, I don't remember who sang that, and that's gonna really irritate me. I'll come back with that answer, but. They did like an, I think the outro. But was there like a controversy with them? Is that what happened? Uh, they like, they had to switch companies um, before the, cause like they were at DSP and then they left and then they went on hiatus and then something happened and then there was more issues cause Kim Hyun-jung was accused of uh, domestic abuse and like a bunch of stuff. They just really haven't had good luck. Good lord. (laughs) It's never straightforward with some of these idols, man. Some of them just do bad shit. But apparently in 2018, there's discussion of reunion. So, and they had a performance at the end of last year under the SS501 umbrella. So maybe they're coming back. It's kind of interesting to compare like how, where these groups were when they had these hits and where they are now. So like TVXQ, kind of the same deal. Big Bang is, I mean, they had, I want to say they've had controversies, but they had like a really bad one because of that one member. So we'll see how they handle it as four because they're all back now, right? Has Daesung come back from the military? All of Big Bang is home. Yeah, so they're here. They're just sitting on something. We don't know what's going to happen there. And back to the SS501 question, because I'm stupid was the song that they released. That one? I just didn't know the name in English, so I had to go hunt it down. Oh, and to answer your question about Almost Paradise, that was performed by the group T-Max. Another SM group that people never remember. I'm so sorry, T-Max. They're um, in the same boat as tracks. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then um, uh, I think, was it you, Roxy, who mentioned it? Or like, it was a weird time, or not a weird time. It was a time where in K-pop, you can see like a specific like style in terms of music videos and um, 
even like if you look at the outfits that some of the artists have it, it they had a specific look to them obviously like if you take groups like tiara and secret they went down the more retro route um because starlight moonlight came out that year for secret still one of my favorite songs and they went down that whole like retro vintage vibe and then you look at you know Kara with step and girls generation they're a lot more I don't know how to describe the style, but you get what I'm trying to say, right? Yeah, the first thing that came to my mind when you were talking about Girls' Generation was, like, sophisticated. I don't know. Just, like, if you look at their outfits in The Boys, you know, and compare that to Tiara, very big difference. I was just chuckling thinking about the outfits that they put the boys in. And it, like, it really depends on, like, your niche in K-pop. Because the outfits, say, for teen tops, no perfume on you, looks like they're just children trying to dress up. Compared to, say, like, Tonight by Big Bang. The one thing that did stay consistent, there's not outfits, was the hair. They all look like anime characters come to life with their hair in this era. It's really weird to look at now because, like... It's not a style that people would consider like good at this point. Cause like when you talk about 2011, it comes to my mind is like CL in, well, actually, no, that doesn't work. Cause that was fire was before this. Um, but like the really bad hair with Zico and I don't know, it's just, it's weird. It was a weird sort of style that they went for, but it was like uniform at the same time. Like I'm looking at Kelly's article and just by looking at like the screenshots or the thumbnails for um, the music videos, a lot of bright colors or a lot of like metal if you get what i'm saying like a lot of accessories that are a little bit more on the um chunkier side they have a lot of silver they they tend to gravitate a lot of um what what is it called bomber jackets and leather jackets or full leather jackets a lot of that in that era and i'm just like man we don't get this as much or this is when it like they were like let's monopolize on this specific type of look right now but you know as we're looking at these comebacks a lot of the sounds are taking from like a more retro vibe and most recently our rookie group that we're going to be covering tapped into that and it's like they're in an era where they're releasing music where it's like you would have seen this type of music when this era came out around this time don't you think and that rookie group is donkeys yeah, so Dong Kids is our underrated group this week. So they are a five-member group that debuted in 2018. Well, actually, that was a pre-debut in 2018. So their real debut was in 2019, and they have had a number of releases since then. Uh, their sound, I would say, they are, we were discussing it's, this earlier. It's if shiny and someone, who did we agree with? It's as if, if shiny and another group had like a love child and that's the sound they have and it's like it's almost immediately apparent when you listen to like not their most recent release i would say but their other releases they really give off like the strong retro vibes and it's it's like almost immediately you'll be like that sounds like shiny they love their guitars trumpet and saxophone sounds like that's what i like across the board at least one song has some of those elements from their debut up until now. And I'm like, oh, they have like a set style. I really, really, really like Lupin from them. That is the song that I'm like, I like this. More like this, please. Lupin is one of their newer songs. And I had the privilege of seeing them perform here in Korea. Um, not last summer, the summer. 
Corona makes me think 2019 was just last year. Uh, I got to see them in 2019 at the uh, Busan One Asia Festival, and they are some of the most adorable little people. Um, but the song that always reminds me of them is their song Blockbuster, and I just want to know how much they paid the Ghostbusters people to use that like sample like how much did they actually pay interestingly enough it does look like even you can tell just by watching it that blockbuster was the most expensive mv that they produced and i don't mean that in like a bad way it's just like there was a lot going on special effects wise with that one compared to the others on stage when they perform blockbuster they bring out an actual ghost like a little ghost character thing that's kind of cute actually and for those of us who are always wondering about that, the age range for Dong Kids is 1998 to 2001. So they're not like infants, but they're still young. But I feel like this is starting to be that older K-pop age range now. And I don't know how I feel about that. Please don't say that. I can't, I can't even begin to comprehend that right now. We've talked about groups that had members born in 2005. I know. It's just, it's, I can't like... I can't get my arms around the concept of time and that I age every single day of my life, if that makes sense. I feel like this whole episode has been us realizing our mortality and I don't know how people are going to feel. But when it comes to- a little existential crisis over here, just thinking about how much time has passed. But when it comes to Dong Kids, Amber, haven't you mentioned to us before that they're a little bit more popular in Korea compared to internationally? Um, on a scale of like- one to ten they're more of like a five like they're not mainstream popular but people know who they are because i feel like they're a name that you don't really hear brought up internationally like at all like i had maybe seen it once or twice like they had a recent they had a comeback um in later 2020 and i remember hearing a little bit about that but before that i had no idea who they were so it's just been like one of those situations where the group doesn't seem to get much attention necessarily from international outlets well, I feel the I same hope. way because... Go ahead, Amber. Well, I hope more people do pay attention to them because I feel like their debut is not meant for the younger listeners, you know? Because, like, the younger K-pop fans are more into this, like, punchy, bass-heavy stuff. Like, their stuff is made for, like, the shiny fans, the Big Bang fans, the early XO fans. Like, they're made for that early sound fan. Um, I did want to say, too, like, agreeing with Roxy is that... I've known about Donkeys, like I've seen their name pop up once or twice here and there, but it's just never like really appealed to me to like, oh, let me go sit down and like listen to them. But after, you know, for this episode, doing my homework, yes, I done my homework, be proud. <laughs> like I actually like their sound and it, it like there is so much room for growth with this group and I want to see what they're going to do. I'm not the biggest fan of um their most recent release, not my style, but I do applaud them for trying something a little bit more different. Did you get a chance to listen to their uh, subunit? Yes, I did. And I actually did like their subunit. I feel like the subunit is a good intro into Dong Kids because it kind of gives like a ease into like their very bombastic sound. If I had to pick a word to describe Dong Kids, it would be bombastic. 
So yeah, definitely be sure to check out Dawn Kids' releases, especially if you're a fan of the more retro sound in K-pop. I think they'll be one of the one of the groups that you uh, enjoy quite a bit. And so- remember, if they may not be our flavor of K-pop group, they but they could be yours. So always give them a chance. It may take a listener too, but who knows? You might find someone new to add to your playlist. So I think we are ready to wrap up for today. Any last thoughts, you guys? I feel old. I feel very old, very, very old, but be on the lookout because we're working on a few things. So be be on the lookout for us. Oh yeah, we got big project number one, big project number two, and big project number three coming your way. Yep, we got a lot going on at the back end. So hopefully those will be ready soon so you guys can enjoy them. But as always, keep an eye on our social media and on our website. We get everything over there. So you'll be able to find us when all of these big things end up dropping. Um, so this has been the Craze Cast, and we will see you all next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.